two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, boys and girls. It's a Halloween edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I am your host, Arthur Smith, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew, father of some very cute little chickens, Betts. It was a success. We had our... Halloween trick-or-treat nights uh, a few nights ago. We do it a little early here uh, in my neighborhood, in my township, so it was great. Yeah, the girls crushed it, uh, but you this morning, sir, are crushing it with your costume, and I got to say, Arthur, you know, it's really nice of you to come on this fantasy football podcast because I know how much you absolutely love fantasy football. It's it's a passion of mine. Um, I'll just say on behalf of the Falcons, behalf of my entire family, it is really great. It is such a great thing. It's how I make my decisions. But the way that I make my decisions is the opposite. I will do anything in my power to screw over fantasy managers, Falcons fans, and our owner, Arthur Blank, who has invested millions of dollars in these first-round draft picks. Screw them all, We all, as I said. <laughs> What's so funny is that, you know, as an audio-only show, <laughs> no one really sees you. But Kyle is dressed up in what is a fantastic Arthur Smith getup. Go to his uh, Twitter or I guess it's his profile now on X, um, and look for the picture because, dude, you're crushing it this morning. It looks good. You got the mustache going. You got the Falcons hat. Your headphones are like a perfect uh, replica of basically like a headset. So this is just this is just great. Yeah, I was pretty fortunate to have the entire Arthur Smith starter kit, the starter pack of uh, Falcon stuff as a Falcons fan. You're missing the vest. Shaved my face. Yeah, yeah I, I well, I did have a vest. Didn't have the Falcons logo on it, so I, I didn't want to go there, but... Um, shaved the face right after the wife left for work today. <laughs> and I won't tell you that I'm also wearing like khakis and like red and black Nike shoes that no one will see. You won't even see it, <laughs> but I just had to get fully into character. So, so uh, yeah, it's, it, it's one of my favorite episodes we do on the main show. And now that I am remote, I still have to participate. I'm a big Halloween guy, big, you know, dress up guy. And, um, yeah, nothing better than uh, than Arthur Smith, who came out today and said, I will not say anything, right, about my starting quarterback. No, no, no. He said he will tell us on Wednesday who is going to be starting for the Falcons. So we just got to wait. Wait a day. I feel like I read into that, which I think we do as people that love fantasy football, but like read in his tone. It's like, I'll tell you on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. He was I'm busy. He was not happy with all the questions. I don't know if you watched his presser or like saw any clips of it. He like sidestepped every Ritter versus Heineke question imaginable, uh, quoting the concussion and then Desmond Ritter's health is the main priority, which I, I mean, it, sh- it should be obviously, but like clearly does not want to give an answer. And he's like, oh no, I have no idea what to do. So 
I don't know. Do you ever read on on who it could be? It so it's at home. It's against the Vikings, who are Kirk Cousins list. Dude, they're five so, point favorites. I th- I think he's gonna look at some stat that just says Desmond Ritter's had one loss in a home game and just put Ritter back in, just because they've installed so much game planning with him. Heineke's not good. He's fun because he's wild. He's Gardner. He's he's a less wild gardener so he's not the answer long term Ritter's not the answer long term but could have told you that before the season we are glad that you're with us we're going to turn the page and look at week nine talk about uh, our salary standouts the slate it's another ugly slate but the last couple weeks have taught us something that just because the totals are low doesn't mean that you can't mine out fantasy gold and for DFS we're just trying to find a couple of games that go off and just attach ourselves to that so We'll talk about that, the state of the main slate, but let's review our cash lineups. Straight cash, homie. So, Betts and I arrived at pretty much the exact same lineup. Okay, so there's a couple of decisions on this past weekend slate that really, I think every single person thought of like, okay, there are really good running back plays. And we zeroed in on Brees Hall and like 80% of the field play Brees Hall and Alvin Kamara's head and shoulders above everyone else. That felt really good. But three running back builds were kind of what we said projected the best. And I texted Betts, I don't know, an hour before lock. And I go, hey man, I'm mowing the lawn. I'm blowing leaves here. And I have some thoughts about Tony Pollard. And you basically told me, to. you said you do you. <laughs> I said you do you, man. What's funny is I'm just like picturing you out in your lawn you've got your phone on the dk app in one hand you've got the <laughs> the leaf blower in the other hand you're not even paying attention to what you're blowing around your yard you're just setting your lineup but um but yeah man it was it was a super strong running back sleep we talked a lot about you know the camara uh Brees hall plays were in there you could have gone tony pollard uh was great so there was just so many options pacheco was popping for a lot of people in terms of a play so there was really strong play so i did go with that three running back build i landed on uh, Brees, Kamara, and Tony Pollard. And if you would have told me after Locke that the Cowboys were going to score 40 whatever points, I'd say, sweet, Tony Pollard must have had a great game, right? Right, Kyle? Right? <laughs> and he did not. So um, I am I'm losing lots of money this year on Tony Pollard. It's been fun. It's been great. I've loved it. Um, so that's, that's where I landed. And the other thing that for me, I think that was the really tricky part of the slate was the decision after we got the news that Purdy was in which happened after we recorded on uh, late in the week that it was like okay well I'm going to spend up now uh, and it's either Hertz or Lamar and I ended up going with Lamar just you know there's still some rumblings of like the Hertz knee issue wasn't sure how much he would run awesome spot for Lamar against the Cardinals and again if you would have told me they're going to score 30 plus points against the Cardinals I say sweet Lamar must have done something right and it was all all Gus Edwards so awesome leverage play if you landed on Gus uh, but switching, you know, to Lamar from Hertz really uh, cost me a lot this week. Yeah, that was tough for me. I actually had Lamar, and I hit the cash line thanks in part to uh, building a little bit of upside in my lineup. And that's something I wrote about. If you want the full write up, my DFS cash lineup review, I go through my lineup each week. You see my results, and I was fortunate to switch onto Jamar Chase from Pollard and to not play the Falcons. And this is just. Guys, I don't even know if this is the right process because I went against projections, I went against opportunities, and I went against my home team. 
But I've found that when you count on the Falcons, they don't come through. So I did the opposite. I did like a happiness hedge where I said like, oh, if the Falcons go off, they go off. But of course, they got Will Levist and destroyed on the on the road. So I just, it was a pivot from me. I was fortunate enough to land on Chase that gave me some upside. And dude, I had quite a, quite a sweat that you were a part of that I just kept going back and forth. Um, I was first place in a tournament for a couple of girls a while. And it was quite frustrating because one, the very last 30 minutes, I was sweating out of Wendy's, which, you know, we all know that's, <laughs> that's, that's prime DFS territory. But I was in first place until I got Trey McBride on the very last catch and it swung a couple thousand dollars for me. But I still ended up really good in tournaments thanks to Sam Howell on the Eagles game is the one game that I locked on to. Had Gus Edwards in the lineup, somehow had Jahan Dotson. So I had a pretty good weekend. It could have been even better if Trey McBride just would have chilled out just a little bit. Like he went for what, 25 points? Like 20 points and I would have won that tournament. Dude, I, I played zero Trey McBride in tournaments. I thought he was quite honestly like a terrible play. Just, you know, cheap tight end, chalky, like going to be in the smaller field stuff, 30 plus percent. It's like, okay, if he gives you six points, then he doesn't bury you and, and you're good. But man, he came out and he played well. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what things look like moving forward this week with the potential quarterback change for the Cardinals. But um, yeah, Trey McBride's usage was awesome. I thought he looked good. Um, and, and he was rock solid in cash. So yeah, that was what a what a world, right? Where like D- in DFS, Trey McBride is the thing that costs yes. you so much money. It's like, man, come on, dude. I feel like any other week he goes out for what two for twenty four cat, you know, twenty four yards, and that's it. I felt so uh, good, but not this week because I didn't play McBride in that lineup, but played Ferguson. I played McBride in cash, and then McBride was the one at the very end where I had CMC, I had leverage on the field, I was in first place. CMC had a good game. And then on the, like the very last play, I had that. So um, still great week. And we had a great week for some of our listeners. Money, 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 money. Had a couple of Chili shout outs as well in the Discord channel of people that took their winnings to Chili's. This one I'm given from Math Josh. He's a Foot Clan member as well. He said, I won over $1,500 off of roughly $60, $60 in cash, $60 in GPPs. Thank you, Matthew Betts, Kyle Borg. I also got an email in uh, that was just great. He said, I just want to show you guys some love. I've been a DFS past subscriber since week one. And I have to say, I love your podcast. Love your articles every week. I cash. And this past week, I came first place in a Sunday night tournament. And I'm just really happy. He says, just wanted to show you guys love and thank you. The sub- subscription has paid off threefold. And I am a believer in your product bets. We are eight weeks into the season. And yet the DFS pass still gets to pay off for people. So any any quick love for the DFS pass? Uh, man, it's been fun. I've had a lot of fun this year putting out the content in there. And, and hopefully a lot of you guys have found value in the content and not just from a, oh, tell me what to do standpoint, but like entertainment, um, you know, because it's really is just stupid cheap for how long we go and how far we go and how depth we go each week. So yeah, man, all the way through the Super Bowl, uh, the price is silly. The price is egregious. And it is downright offensive, truthfully. So, so go get yours today. Um, you can join us, and there's still so much DFS left to be played. So come play with us. Yeah, we got some great tournaments coming up, guys. Thanksgiving is only a couple of weeks away. Oh, baby. And that that is one of the pinnacle moments of DFS. We got some special things actually going. 
we are continuing to add for free. That'll go for that Thanksgiving slate. So once again, I don't know why we keep adding stuff, but taking the price down, it's still 33% off. If you want to go to DFSPass.com and join us, but let's turn the page. State of the main slate. Every week, we refer to the lines at DraftKings Sportsbook, DraftKingsSportsbook.com. It's where Bets and I play. We're going to check in with a couple of wagers, and I want to check in with one that made with the people. It was one of our props this past week. It was Javante Williams over, and the line was at 10.5 when we gave it out to people. Bets, he hit the over by the second quarter. The dude had 30 opportunities, which is just wild, that game script. But I just, I love that the people got in early on that. They got in uh, pretty quick. And I just want to say, don't let your boy Kyle get hot here because I don't give out a lot of props. It's not really where I get to like focus my attention, but I'm nine out of my last 10. Hey now. Hey, hey now. That's, don't let me get hot. And what's so fun is that a lot of years I'm just like, dude, are we really doing this? You know, like a couple weeks ago in the London game, it was the Ritter over. I was like, Kyle, please no. Um, and a cash man. So yeah, you've got a great read on the board right now. Seen it clear as day. You know, mm. you're just, you're locked in. So I love it. But yeah, man. Also on Javante, very fun to see him look healthy. Like, you know, he had the hip issue early on, obviously recovering from the major uh, ACL injury. But clearly, over the last two, three weeks, like it is his backfield. So I'm interested to see kind of where the prop market sets his lines and and all that stuff moving forward. They're on bye this week, so we won't get it this week. But next week, coming out of the bye, you really could see Javante continue to be unleashed. So good stuff there, especially if you have him in best ball. Um, just want to give a shout out in general to the props this week, eight and five again. Um, really feel like, you know, we kind of had a hot start. Then we had a lull for three weeks, kind of ticking back up thanks to Borg's, you know, laser focus on these on these lines so it's been fun man i think it's it's a good way to kind of have an extra sweat on sundays in addition to the dfs stuff so i've been having a lot of fun with it this year were you sweating the josh jacobs last night which we hit oh man the under on his rushing but man it was terrifying i thought we were dead i thought we were dead we had what was it 63 and a half and man it felt like he was at 60 yards for an hour two hours like he was just there like midway through the third quarter or something like that and i was like okay like this was a loser but thanks to the raiders looking completely incompetent on offense they had to throw every play and just completely abandon the run which is something they have done this year and josh jacobs has had to deal with in his career as a raider his wins and losses splits with his rushing he's like one of the most game uh you know game script dependent backs in the nfl so uh it was i think the right process i think we truthfully should have lost that but we got very lucky and and that's just how it goes sometimes you found a quote today josh jacobs was asked if he has any ideas of what could spark the raiders offense and i quote he said i don't know it ain't my job so what a joke of a team by the way like we're gonna talk about him later oh we will i, I i'm assuming this is just just a guess i'm assuming you don't love their team implied total i mean why would you they haven't hit it yet this year. They've got a negative 82-point differential going back to the start of last year. Uh, is it time for our, our boy, our king, Aiden O'Connell, to be under center? <laughs> I mean, as a, as a fellow mustache man currently, I welcome... Which, by the way, your mustache actually looks very much like Aiden O'Connell's. I don't... I feel like he's, like, got a tubby face. I don't know I if I like face, that. face, just the stash. Okay. Okay. So if you were just to take out the rest of my face, but 
replace the stash. I would I would be totally fine. Um, let's turn the page. Talking about week nine, we have four teams on by. So Denver, Detroit, Jacksonville, San, San Francisco. So, man, I have a home league team that has CMC and Gibbs on by. So uh, I'm doing quite fine at running back, let me tell you. Um, we do have an interesting slate because apart from just the normal Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night game, we also have a Germany game that we won't be using. So Miami and Kansas City, if you want to play the showdown for that game, by all means do it because that is a fun game. It is not included on the main slate. And I know there's some people in Discord that play the giant slate, the Thursday through Monday slate. Attack with that game. Like that game and Buffalo and Cincinnati are two games that are just awesome, super fun from NFL, but also for DFS. You and I will not be highlighting those games for the main slate because it's not where we play cash. It's not where the majority of the field does. But this slate is dominated by doo-doo quarterbacks. I mean, like, a lot of backups. So, Betts, you tweeted this out the list. Give me the projected quarterbacks for this Week 9 main slate. Oh, baby, this is this is preseason NFL, folks. It is going to be a time. I am, I'm actually very excited on this slate. Um, it is going to be Gino versus Lamar, which is, is fun. We like that. It is going to be Clayton Toon versus P.J. Walker or Dorian Thompson-Robinson. They still haven't told us yet. Sam Howell, Mac Jones, okay, fine. Brett Rippon and Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield and C.J. Stroud, Jaron Hall question mark for the Vikings against Ritter or Heineke or both. Uh, Tyson Bajant against Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew versus Bryce Young, Dak and Jalen Hurts is going to be awesome, and then Daniel Jones and Jimmy G. So it's like, man, do you just do you just ignore everything and play one of Lamar, Dak, and uh, Jalen Hurts because that's really what it feels like early in the week yeah there is there are a couple of value options under 6k on DraftKings that I think can get there and I I just want to say that there are two really schools of thought with DFS where last year felt like a year where you had to pay up at the position like it just felt like every single week the high price guys were paying off and you needed them because they were out distancing themselves from the field this year I feel like we've gotten a plethora of quarterbacks that have done well in large field tournaments. The, I mean, Desmond Ritter twice this year was in a Millie Maker winner. Uh, this past week, I had a ton of success with Sam Howell, who was only 5,200. And then there's a couple of guys. I mean, CJ Stroud's had weeks where he's gone off. Jordan Love. It can work with cheap, gross players, but it kind of depends on if the Lamar, Dak, Hurts tier goes off. So we'll talk about that in salary standouts. It's just, it's interesting. So there are no games currently above 50. In fact, on the main slate, the highest total right now is at 46. Is that still standing? Uh, Yeah, that's what I saw this morning, and that's in the Eagles and Cowboys game. And I'm counting one, two, three, four, five games at 40 or below. So it's, uh, no, six games. I forgot that the Giants and Raiders even exist uh, on our plane of existence. So (laughs) yes, gross slate. But instead of complaining about it, let's mine some gold. We'll talk about a couple of matchups that we think can work. But give me the highest team implied totals on this slate. We've got the Eagles, 24 and a half. The Ravens and the Saints are tied just below them at 24.3. The Colts, uh, which actually is intriguing, at 23.3. The Browns at 22.8. And I feel like the Browns line could come down. We'll see. 
And then we've got the Patriots, Packers, and Cowboys all tied at 21 and a half, which feels wrong. Like the Cowboys feel like they could definitely go over that mark yes. compared to the Jordan Love Packers and Mac Jones and the boys, a.k.a. Jalen Rager, um, Pop Douglas. Uh, you know, I just like Kayshawn Booty hasn't played a snap since week one. I mean, it's a train wreck currently in the wide receiver room for New England. Yeah, the most popular teams this week are probably going to be obvious. It's going to be Eagles, Ravens, Cowboys. Those are going to be the three teams that people want because Cowboys-Eagles is going to stand out. But we'll talk about the, some of those. Eagles and Cowboys looks like the most popular game to stack because this Cowboys team just went bananas. I mean, that game against the Rams this past week was over by like the end of the first quarter. Like it just destroyed them. And then now we get the news of it's probably Brett Rippon this week. We don't know, but we'll find out. So Cowboys seem like they seem like a team that like you want to lean into and then the Eagles are just killing it as well. So is that like far and above the best game this week? Yeah, I think it is. And the last couple of games between these two teams have gone off. So over the last uh, two years, um, the scores have been 26-17, 40-34. Now that was the Gardner Minshew game last year, like in week 16 or 17 when they rested some starters, the Eagles did. Uh, but then two years ago, 41 to 21, 51 to 26. So these games have been very high scoring. And on a slate like this, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So I'm interested to see kind of what roster percentages look like when we get to Friday, Saturday, because it's clearly the best game environment on the slate. The Cowboys also have this narrative around them that like when there's a big game, they just don't show up and they're at home. I think we saw this, but like, I think we saw them feed CD lamb but then it was like, I still don't know what Tony Pollard and the rest of the offenses will talk about Pollard because he is very cheap. Both sides priced him down this week, and he looks like an interesting tournament kind of play. But the Cowboys just need to show up and target CeeDee Lamb. I think Brandon Cooks is an interesting dart throw. Um, your boy Turd Ferguson came through this past week, and then Dak is too cheap for this being the best game on the slate. So Eagles and Cowboys. That's his, that's his nickname. <laughs> it's a funny name. It's so good. I forget why that happened. I, like, I know obviously it came from the main show, but I don't remember what led to it being Turd Ferguson. Oh, it's a, it's the SNL bit from uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Uh, so, it, uh, it makes you laugh every time. <laughs> and you just say it like it's no big deal. <laughs> I, I guess. So I have a shout out to somebody in my home league. Brian Everett, funny dude. His team has been Turd Ferguson for like the last like seven years. And so like in our group text, it's just, you don't call him anything else other than Turd. And he he owns it. And real quick too, on that Eagles game, that opened at three and a half. Money came in, moving it towards the Cowboys. It's now at plus three. So I do think, I think the the, the Cowboys are live to win this game and it should be a fun back and forth. I'll say the next most popular game is going to be Seattle at Baltimore. Seattle, you have a lot of pieces to sort through and figure out, like, where do I go? Which one of the wide receivers? What are they doing at running back? Because we saw Charbonnet actually take the lead this past week. We'll see what Ken Walker's status is on the injury report. But it seems like if you want to attack that game, you stack Lamar. You skinny stack Lamar with, you know, Andrews or Flowers. And you figure out this Seattle wide receiver on the other side. So I know we'll be previewing that game later on in the week, but it seems like that will be one of the more popular ones as well. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. (laughs) 
All right, we're back. And before we get into our sneakiest game of the week, just previewing bets, I need some some uh, Halloween candy takes because I feel like you and I are on the opposite end and I've always been a bit of a contrarian and stick in the mud. I'm Arthur Smith. So uh, I believe you were talking about eating too many peanut M&Ms, which uh, I know where those belong in the garbage. Yeah, I'm a sucker for chocolate and peanut butter. So Reese's, uh, peanut M&Ms, those are kind of my my thing. Um, which, speaking of, we took our, you know, like I said, our they're one and a half. So our twins, they're too young to really understand what's happening. They kind of just walked around the neighborhood with us uh, with a blank stare on their face. Like, what is this <laughs> experience? As, you know, dinosaurs and Power Rangers and whoever else were like running down the street at them. <laughs> so I'm shocked they didn't cry. But yeah, we took him for the experience to like, I don't know, 10 houses, see our neighbors, say hi to friends, whatever. And uh, by the end of it, I was like, man, we have a lot of candy. And then my wife and I kind of were just like, I guess we're eating this. <laughs> like, this is ours now. So uh, so we have way too much. But I'll tell you what belongs in the garbage, Kyle. Candy corn. If anyone likes candy corn, you are a sick individual. It is disgusting. It is the worst. It belongs in the trash. I- I'm okay with that take. I don't like candy corn. And you said you like chocolate and peanut butter together. I, as a kid, have very fond memories of getting back and my sister and I would sort out our Halloween candy and I would trade all of the chocolate and peanut butter stuff to her and she would give me all the other stuff. Like, give me as much Starburst as possible. Um, I'll take the Laffy Taffy. I'm just, I like that kind of stuff. I like sour straws, um, Jolly Rancher, chews, any of those. Like, give me give me all of that, that kind of candy. Gross. Not a so, fan. I'm glad we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, though. Like, just could not be more opposite. But we'd make good friends. We could trade. We, Dude, I would literally take my entire... If I had a basket of candy, I would literally take just chocolate and peanut butter out and just give you the rest. Wow. What a good friend you are. Yeah, I know. S- sneakiest game of the week. You have on here Baltimore, Seattle. So talk that one out. Yeah, you mentioned you think it'll be popular. I, I kind of think it will be from one standpoint, meaning it's like so clear on the quarterbacks on the slate, especially on FanDuel. It's like you just play one of the studs. So Lamar fits that group. But I'm just interested to see kind of like where he falls in the pecking order, you know, between Jalen Hurts, Dak, uh, those kind of guys, because he was the chalk quarterback last week and failed in a big way. And it all went to Gus Edwards. So I'm just interested to see kind of where that roster percentage comes in. And then on Seattle, like there's so many ways to get unique, whether it's uh, JSN, Metcalf, Lockett, the running backs, like you can, you can really get there. But, um, Baltimore has shown us they have a ceiling this year. Many times they've also shown us their floor. So like, I'm just kind of interested to see what, what happens here for the roster percentage on that side. And then Seattle, since uh, week two, they've been averaging almost 26 points per game. They've got 20 plus in each of the last two weeks. And on a slate like this, like that might be enough, right? If, if the other backup quarterbacks fail, you might need pieces from this game. I want to throw out a team that shockingly is just fun for fantasy football. It's the Colts. So Colts at Carolina might be a sneaky game because Colts games have hit the over in six of eight weeks. Gardner, our boy Gardner, is just going out there and playing DGAF football. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to be the quarterback long term. Like, Gardner has a future in podcasting. He's just going to be a dude that, like, goes on shows and just says, ah, here's what life was really like. Here's here's what I'm doing. I don't care. Gardner has averaged 41 pass attempts in his four games, doesn't care, and Carolina is allowing the third most points per drive. So, interesting pieces here. Adam Thielen, dude, did you see how expensive he is this week? 
Yeah, he's priced up. Isn't he like the wide receiver five or six or something in pricing? He's 7.5 on DraftKings. Oh, man. That's a tough click. <laughs> I know. I know. You like before it was like, okay, he's like five, five and a half, five, 5.7, 6. 6.6. And then you're like, I can't do this anymore. But that will be an interesting game. It's a Frank Reich revenge game, by the way. So, and that dude, he got his first win. Uh, I'm proud of him. Yeah, sure did. I'm actually very surprised with the way that game turned out with Houston and Carolina. If you, I was very into CJ Stroud, Nico Collins, those kind of guys last week. But man, they just like dared them to run the football and they they did. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of what is going on with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss this week because I think it's obviously a very favorable matchup against Carolina. So even though you mentioned loving Gardner, I agree. I just, I want to keep the light on for these running backs. I No, I looked at Taylor's price, which I, I, I can look it up, but I think it's 6.2. And that is a great price against in a great matchup against a terrible run defense. And yet if he's 50-50 split, you can't play him in DFS. Right, you can't, you can't get a ceiling outcome. Now he was sitting at ninety-five yards. I felt like the entire game, and there was like just two quarters of nothingness. So, was there anything that you saw? Like, do we have any information about what happened those last two quarters? Yes, this is interesting. There was nothing official from the team. Uh, Taylor didn't say anything about it after the game, but I saw some rumblings on Twitter on Sunday night about like maybe there was an ankle injury for Jonathan Taylor, and I didn't really get a chance to watch a ton of the game on Sunday so I watched it yesterday and there was a play like right before halftime where he kind of gets stuck on the pile you can't really see his feet because there's too many guys in there but he comes out of it and kind of like hobbles around a little bit and like jumps and kind of like tests his ankle uh, and then he he leaves for that drive Zach Moss finishes it they go into halftime they come out Jonathan Taylor gets one carry doesn't touch the ball the rest of the game so I don't know man uh, afterwards they said Steichen said that they were just going to ride the hot hand I mean, Jonathan Taylor was cooking in the first half. He was going off, and he was running super efficiently against a pretty good New Orleans rush defense. So something is fishy here going on. So just monitor this week. We'll see kind of what what we get, official news with practice reports and stuff like that. But obviously, if Jonathan Taylor would be limited or out, like Zach Moss would be awesome. Which game do you want to be underweight on? And speaking on behalf of Kyle, but also Arthur Smith, don't try to get cute, all right? This is Minnesota at Atlanta. There's no fantasy goodness here. I'm not trying to let people, you know, play fantasy football. I saw a really, really funny tweet from Ian Harditz who showed a Falcons drive where they ended in a touchdown and none of the first-round picks touched the ball. It was like an 80-yard drive. Bijan, London, Pitts, none of them touched the ball. And he was like, this is Arthur Smith's Mona Lisa. Like, I will show you <laughs> that uh, this isn't going to work. Who scored so, the touchdown? Uh, Rit- Ritter ran it in. Oh. It was just like, <laughs> nice. just like no one cared. But uh, in this game, Minnesota at Atlanta, we're getting Jaron Hall and some combination of Ritter and Heineke. So that's not good. Falcons games have hit the under in six of eight weeks. And I think that's actually one of uh, one of his like life goals, just like on his sheet, like his vision board for the year for Arthur Smith is like, if I can hit the under in 80% of my games, I am winning in life. Yeah, not, I mean, it might not matter, right? If uh, if he doesn't get the ball anyway, but Drake London also could miss this game with a groin injury. So that would take one other uh, skill guy out, which I guess in theory might open up some cheap tight end plays. Like you could look at Jono or, or Pitts, but um, I'm with you. As far as game stack, it is, it is gross. Can we, um, can we also mention that the Falcons have covered twice this year? Like there's just like... So many things that... Oh, they only have two games that they won against the spread? Yeah. 
Bad teams do that. Um, <laughs> Arizona and Cleveland also looks quite disgusting because we have Clayton Toon versus DTR or PJ Walker. And I just don't think you need to go there on this slate. Now, you, we've been playing running backs against Arizona on a pretty consistent basis. Just look at what Gus Edwards did. So, sure, could you play Jerome Ford in a tournament or Cream Hunt? Absolutely. But as far as a game stack here, I don't think you have to go there. The team that I am most confident hitting the over this week is the Saints. We mentioned that earlier they have one of the highest team applied totals of the week. It's at 24. But listen, over the last month, your boy Derek Carr and the Saints offense are just flinging it everywhere. Now, Chris Olave, still working on the timing, still working on the you know catches, but 9.6 targets per game. But listen to this, Derek Carr of the last month, 287 passing yards per game. That's fourth most in the NFL. He's been a top 15 quarterback in four straight games. So in season long, he's been consistently fine. And then Bears games have hit the over in six of eight weeks, which is kind of shocking because the offense is so bad. The only reason their games are hitting the over is because the defense is terrible. 28th in points allowed, 30th in net yards per attempt. So I kind of like the Saints this week as like a sneaky stack. Yeah, I think they're they're a good team to target because they've got many options, right? Like Alvin Kamara is going to project great. Um you played Rashid Shahid last week. He can always go off for two or three catches and 100 yards and a score. And then, of course, we know a big Olave game is coming one of these weeks. And like Michael Thomas is pretty cheap. So you can get there, I think, in a number of ways. So I like that uh, take quite a bit. If you play Saints, I don't even think you really need a bear on the other side. I mean, of course you could, but like I don't think you have to force it with how they've looked. Um, I'm going to stick with the best game environment on the slate and just give a chalky take here. I think the Eagles can go over 24 and a half points, something they've done in six of eight games. Dallas's defense is obviously great, but if you just look at their season-long numbers, it's very skewed because in weeks one through three, they played Daniel Jones, where he got sacked every play, Zach Wilson in his first start without Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Dobbs. And in those games, they allowed zero, zero, and 16 points, and they were second in dropback success, success rate, third in EPA. So they look dominant. But over the last month, they've allowed... 42, 17, and 20 to Purdy Herbert and an injured Stafford slash Brett Rippon. They are 11th in success rate uh, against the pass and 12th against the run. So their defense is good. It is not what the numbers say from a season-long standpoint. The team I'm most confident to hit the under this week, and I've been avoiding for a long time, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their games have hit the under in six of seven weeks. They average just 17 points per game. That's 27th. And I feel like Dave Canales, he's the offensive coordinator, come over from Seattle. Similar approach. Let's slow things down. Let's run the ball inefficiently. Tim Bay games are just averaging 35 and a half combined points per game. And the team is bottom five in punts per play, punts per offensive score, and first downs per game. In other words, punting is what they're actually really good at. Uh, their punter, Jake Kamart, is actually pretty good. But regardless of my punting takes, Tampa Bay is a team that I haven't stacked at all this year, and it's worked out quite well. I think, and I'll mention later, I think you could play Rashad White in cash because the matchup's fine against the Texans, but overall, like Tampa Bay is a team we've stayed away from the entire year. Yeah, what's funny is on that Thursday night game, Al Michaels was just dropping that stat like every time they had the ball and they punted. He's like, oh, this punter, he's leading the league in net average. It's like, that's the highlight of, of the offense currently. Um, so yeah, it's been not been uh, ideal in Tampa. I am going to shock the world and take the under on Las Vegas, as we've already talked about. Wow. It's just last year's Broncos, right? Like you just you just take it and they'll hit it every now and then, but 
more often than not, it seems like a team that we want to fade given the quarterback play, given the coaching decisions, stuff like that. So they're taking on the Giants this week. Giants games are seven and one to the under. Raider games are six and two to the under, making that a combined 13 and three between these two teams to the under this season. I also want to give a bonus take here, Kyle. Um, bonus. I haven't like studied specifically bonus how the Patriots match up against this number that they've been given here, uh, which is 21 and a half points. But it's very hard to move the ball and win in the NFL when you're going to be trotting out Pop Douglas, Jalen Rager, Juju, who they signed, then benched and basically don't play. Taquan Thornton was a healthy scratch and Kayshawn Booty. That's their wide receivers. It's hard to win and move the ball in the NFL. And I know uh, Washington is not the best defense, but this just feels like a terrible spot. I I agree with you. I worry about that game because I, I wonder if people look at it Look at Sam Howell. Look at what Dotson did this past week. Thank God Dotson's alive. And want to stack him, play him this week. Like he needs, the best part about Sam Howell is if he's in a game environment where he has to be pushed. And I mean like, okay, you you have to throw. He threw, what, 40-something times in that game. He looked really good. Like, you know, there's a turnover at the end. But overall, it was like, I was impressed. Didn't take as many sacks as we're used to seeing. And... But I just don't know if that this is the game environment that you need for DFS to really go off. So um, there's some cash plays for sure. Like Pop Douglas, we'll talk about in a second. He's cheap enough if you want to do that. But I agree. And then going back to that Raiders take, so they, they haven't hit their team implied total yet. No, zero times this year. That's that's not good, Josh. Josh McDaniels. Now they're like, on a short week. Yeah, th- this is not a good team. Also, Giants have a terrible offensive line. This, this game could just be doo-doo. Hopefully it's not Tommy DeVito. It's going to be Daniel Jones. Yeah, they right? said Jones is going to return to practice on Wednesday, and the plan is for him to play. So I guess it's not official, but it sounds like that's that's the plan. Tommy DeVito was somebody who straight out of like the 1940s, 1950s, you know, just like living in New York. Like that's where they plopped this guy from. Um, and I don't know if you watched the end oh, of that I did. game. <laughs> it was so bad. Like I would not, I would not wish anyone to say, "Hey, please watch this film of this player who completed two passes for negative yards." And like they just completely changed the playbook and said, "We're going to run the ball." They had seven passing yards for the entire game, and they somehow lost. They should have won that game. They said, "Hey, Tommy, see that guy behind you? That's Saquon Barkley. He's going to touch it every single play. You take the snap, you turn around, and you give it to him. Don't do anything else." <laughs> It was just, oh, what a gross game, man. It was so bad. Yeah. Tommy DeVito, no relation to Danny. Sounds like somebody in your, you know, third period English class, <laughs> Tommy DeVito, sits in, like, just not. So uh, let's move on. Salary standouts. Bets and I are going to throw out some names early early, early in the week that stand out to some of them. You can put in your cash pool right now. Some of them are just shocking. Like, whoa, Tony Pollard is 6.8 on DraftKings. He is 6.6 on FanDuel. And they're begging us to click click the button. (laughs) Oh, they are just asking us. Like it it is very tempting when I went in a lot. I mean, I was still logged on. I wasn't logged off, but when I went in, I was like, I, I love that price for Tony Pollard. I haven't seen it yet this year, but in tournaments, he needs to be in your your pool. Let's go to quarterback. 
right now it's basically, are you going to play Hertz or Prescott? That's kind of where I think the decision is going to be this week. Or Lamar. I mean, he's in the conversation too, but I lean with those two that you mentioned, Hertz and Dak, just given the game environment, right? And with Dak, you save some money on DraftKings, relatively speaking, on FanDuel. I think he's priced too close to the other guys that I'd probably just pick Lamar or or Hertz. But Dak's been great, man. This year, he's really played well. And, you know, they've kind of had weird game scripts where, like, sometimes they blow out teams they don't have to throw. Sometimes they choose to lean into the pass and they play very well because of it. So, you know, he's he's seventh, actually, in adjusted efficiency which looks at completion rate over expected and epa this year he's playing at a very high level now you get an eagles team that was just absolutely shredded by sam howell and the eagles have shown a lot of vulnerabilities in the secondary this year so i'm pretty into dak this week 6.5k his last three games against the eagles 347 and 3 295 and 5 238 and 3 so he plays well usually against philly i like dak this week yeah my early stance i wrote this down just to stay accountable with myself on a Tuesday. And then I, you know, I know things will change over the week and I'll galaxy brain on Friday and Saturday, but Dak and cash seems safe, high floor, great game. Lamar in tournaments feels like something that I think I want to lean into, especially if people are burned after last week. I get it if you're burned, but Lamar in tournaments feels like something I want to do now play all of them. They're all great, but I just, that's my first early stance in the week. Sam Howell stands out to me on FanDuel, you cannot play Sam Howell in cash at 7.4. He's the QB4 if you take out Fields and Kyler Murray. Like, they boosted his price a ton. It's what FanDuel always does. 5.0 on DraftKings can be tempting, but I just don't I just don't feel like his floor is high enough in a game against the Patriots that, that could be a slog. But he's interesting. The salary stands out. And then I want to throw out another game that has two players that are so cheap. So cheap. Gardner Minshew at 5.2, Bryce Young at 5.1. That's a game I threw out earlier. Do you think that's one of those, you can't do it in cash, but perhaps if this game hits the over, you can get like a cheap stack out of it? Yeah, I think that's one way to look at it. The issue is, you know, if you're playing Young, he hasn't really shown a ceiling at all this year, and he just hasn't gotten there for fantasy. So like, do I think this is the week? I don't know, man. Maybe, but probably not, right? Especially if if Hal goes off kind of just for, you know, a little bit more, if one of these other cheap backups beats him, like, I just don't feel like he's a piece you need. I am interested in Minshew for the reasons you said earlier, where their pass rate and pace, they'll be there. And, you know, this is a spot where they certainly could succeed. So I don't mind Minshew. I'm not super into Young. However, I do want to point out, it was actually his best game from an EPA standpoint. Yes. Uh, PFF pass grade standpoint, like all that stuff. So maybe we're seeing a little, you know, post by little rookie emergence here for Young, hopefully, which would be great for the pass catchers. Yeah, coming out of the bye, 71% completion rate. QB rating over 100 his first game doing that. He did take six sacks, by the way. Like, that's the part of the game that I've just mystified how Houston did not just finish that game and they kind of hung around and they ended up losing. But it was nice to see Bryce Young have a pulse, win a game. Um, So those two quarterbacks are interesting. But like Bet said, on FanDuel, you should probably pay up just pick one of the top guys. At running back, we do not have CMC on this slate. And on the expensive side, Kamara is still not expensive enough for what he's done over the last month. I mean, he's been unreal. So he's 8.1. We mentioned that game earlier that the Saints have a 24 team implied total. 
So Kamara is going to be a great spin-up option. Saquon, I mean, when you're getting, what, 38 carries or whatever you got, that's going to project well against the Raiders, who have been a run funnel. You saw it with Jameer Gibbs last night. So Saquon at 7.9 is fine. Um, and then what else do you like this week, other than those two who are like the clear spin-up options? Yeah, those two are great. Um, I also want to throw out Chuba is interesting. Now, this one is going to be one to monitor throughout the week and see kind of if we get any information on what the split is going to look like moving forward. But last week, Miles Sanders touched the ball two times. That's it. Uh, and they signed him to a somewhat lucrative contract in free agency that now in hindsight looks absolutely horrendous because when you look at the efficiency stuff, Chuba's been way better compared to Miles Sanders. So I don't know that you can really count on that that massive of a split to continue moving forward. But I do think Chuba is the leader in the clubhouse at this point. And so for tournaments at 5K, I think he's interesting. I'm not sure you can go there in cash, but he is definitely an interesting tournament play against Indy in a game environment we like. Yeah, there's not a ton of cheap options that I feel super confident in. Like the Rams running backs are still splitting a little too much. They're on the road against uh, the Packers. So can't really do that. If you move up a little bit, I think that there is some value. Like Rashad White is going to get a ton of opportunities against Houston, who's one of the worst tackling defenses in the league. So that's intriguing. I do like the Browns running backs, but they're splitting as well. Like if I knew it was just Jerome Ford, then at 5.3, like he's a great play at home against the Cardinals. So keep those guys on your radar. Um, they're they're at least interesting. But yeah, White and Pollard are the two that stood out to me on FanDuel that are below 7K. But on FanDuel, I always tell people, just pay up. Pay up for a couple of running backs. You know, get Kamara, get Saquon and move on from there. At wide receiver, A.J. Brown keeps moving up in price, and deservingly so. He's at 8.6 as the most expensive wide receiver on this slate. We don't have Tyree Kill, so you don't have to worry about that. You don't have Jamar Chase. You don't have Stephon Diggs. And there's no Justin Jefferson. So it's getting to the point now where you're seeing these wide receivers carry such a high ceiling that you have to think about paying up for at least one in cash. So between A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, and C.D. Lamb, do you have a preference this week between those three guys? You mentioned he's the most expensive wide receiver. He's the most expensive player on the slate, period. More expensive than Lamar, Hurts, the running back. So yeah, I mean, he deserves it. But you can't play Cooper Cup in cash without Matthew Stafford. There's no chance of that. So it's between, I think, those two guys that you mentioned, Lamb, and A.J. Brown, it's it's hard to really give a take because they're both super awesome. And we saw Lamb ceiling last week. So both of these guys can pay off this tag easily. I'm not sure which one I'll play in cash, but I think I will play enough of them in tournaments that I will try to cover my bases. Yeah, the answer is probably yes. That's probably the best way to say it. Last year, Lamb at home against these Eagles, 10 for 120 and 2. I remember it just it feels very like well. Every- <laughs> it just feels like every single week for AJ Brown anyways. But yeah, those those two I think are firmly on the radar. I mentioned Adam Thielen. I wrote down, holy crap, Thielen is 7.5K. That's expensive, uh, but it is against the Colts. So I think I think the price is justified. I just hate paying it now when I knew, you know, I used to be able to pay, you know, whatever for it back in the day. So Zay Flowers is going to show up again. I think people might be a little mad after what he did last week and his ADOT and I mean, 67% of his targets are either 10 yards or in. So it's, 
it's kind of frustrating because of the Zay Flowers we're getting, he's still getting deep shots, but intermediate targets, he's like behind Nelson Aguilar on that team. So I wish we got more, you know, you know, 15 yard in or whatever. Like we're just getting a lot of short stuff. So Zay Flowers is still cheap enough. We're on a full PPR site. You can't ignore him. Yeah, he was tough last week because... I mean, he was uh, like one point, like four catches for like 19 yards. It's like, come on, man. And for, you know, three weeks or or so, roughly before that game, he was actually being used down the field more. So they kind of reverted his role again. So, yeah, it's one of those things that like the target share is going to look great. The efficiency may not look incredible, but he'll pop in projections for that reason. So uh, we'll see. I also want to throw out Pop Douglas. We talked about just in general, like it's really not good in New England. Um, Devontae Parker is in concussion protocol. Kendrick Bourne. Sadly, Torres ACL, he's been great this year. So his target competition is going to be uh, Kayshawn Booty, Juju Smith-Schuster's of the world, um, Taquan Thornton, if he's a healthy player this week in, in the lineup. Like, there's no one, right? And Washington is a plus matchup. Uh, Douglas, actually, from the efficiency standpoint, in a very small sample, so obviously caveat, but 26% targets were outrun. Like, he's shown an ability to actually earn targets in this game. Um, so he's interesting in cash. I think he'd be a pretty easy fade in tournaments if he's going to be really popular, but at 4k to save money, I think it makes sense. I, my early read is that he's going to be the most popular wide receiver in cash. Probably. If Devonte Parker sits, we just love new, new things and new, new shiny PPR. Things. Yeah. New shiny PPR cheap guys named pop are going to show I mean, up fun. and every, it, how many times is the phrase popping in our model gonna gonna be like for Pop Douglas? That's your drinking game for the week. Yeah, if seriously. You, uh, if you want that. So Wandale's cheap, 3.4. These are these are punt options in cash. I don't know if I love their ceiling. Like Pop Douglas feels like somebody that you could fade in tournaments if you wanted to, but at 4K, like in a tournament, if Pop Douglas got you eleven points, you'd be super happy with that. You oh, could yeah. you could move on. So um the Saints guys. I mentioned how much we like Kamara. Chris Olave, 6.3. He's also got that, you know, oh, he's, you know, not on the same page as Derek Carr. We don't care in DFS. We care about opportunities and the expected fantasy points are just piling up. So Chris Olave looks good. Michael Thomas on FanDuel is only 5.9. And Zay Flowers is only 6.1 on FanDuel. So those are some cheap names early in the week that we like. At tight end, I don't love tight end this week. I think a lot of people want to go back to Trey McBride at 3.7. We do need to mention, so not only did he increase $900, he has a different quarterback this week. It's Clayton Toon. So I feel like McBride isn't just like a auto click the way that you might think he should be. Yeah, I think that's that's well said because if you look at the box score, it's like, oh, sweet. Uh, but Clayton Toon is a complete unknown at this point. So uh, it's tough and it's a, just gross game environment right with the browns one of the lowest totals on the slate it's dropping every time i look at it so uh really tough tough spot there um i think logan thomas is interesting if curtis samuel does not play he had a foot injury coming into the the week last week then left against the eagles with a toe injury so if he is out he kind of opens up some of those short targets that logan thomas could have so i think he's okay um if Devontae parker is out we just talked about pop douglas but like in theory, you would think that they run a lot more two tight end sets. So Hunter Henry is fine. I even think uh, Mike Kosicki for like, what is he, 2.6? If you needed your, it, I don't think that's, that's the craziest Lions thing in the world. That's your Homerism. Oh, he's been terrible. Through. No, he's been terrible recently. I'm just, 
but um you know 2.6 like if he gives you two catches sweet oh, yeah i don't <laughs> i mean anybody could work in in cash i will throw out michael mayer who if you watch the monday night game you're like what happened because he's out in the field 92 percent route rate so he's running a ton of routes was only targeted twice it's a gym i mean i was really fortunate in a home league i was playing against Devonte adams and i you know i look at the very end of the game i'm like oh sweet i killed this guy but there was two touchdowns that should have happened and I would have lost my matchup. So I don't know what's going on there, but I think Michael Mayer is a fine punt option at 2.8 against the Giants. You could do worse than that. And then for tournaments, I just want to throw out TJ Hawkinson because he's going to get you know, cast aside. But his price came down a ton. He's only 5.2, plays against the Falcons. I get it, it's Jaron Hall. But I think on a slate that I don't love the tight end options, if you're not stacking Mark Andrews, who's 6.8, I think Hawkinson is an interesting pivot and leverage in tournaments because I think a lot of people will just say, I don't want any part of that passing game. I think he can PPR his way there. And he's kind of done that, right? Like gross games gotten there. Um, oh, you you wanted me to mention Turd Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> 5.1. Yeah, talk about him. Talk about the Turd. Dude, Turd Ferguson has caught 15 of the last 15 targets from Dak Prescott. They're kind of on the same page. And he's only 5.1 on Fandle. So I think he's a good cash play in a game environment we like. I played good him a lot in tournaments this, this past week. Yeah, good too. matchup. So um, long live the turd. All right, defense, let's finish out here. Um, I'm really sorry if the Falcons did not come through for you this past week. I didn't play them, though. What a, what a pivot, last-minute pivot. That felt like such a trap, didn't it? Because you mentioned, you're like, hey, man, when you count on the Falcons, they will let you down. And when you don't expect them to do anything, they'll have a great game. And what was wild about that, I was kind of watching the line throughout the week. I was like, oh, man, this is going to get steamed out, you know, to like minus three and a half, minus four, whatever. All week, just kind of hung around at two and a half, hung around at two and a half. Vegas knows, dude. They know. I So if the game was in Atlanta, I would have had a little bit different of a thought. Not that our fans are like rowdy. Like Atlanta fans are funny. Dude, we never have a home field advantage. Like people, people can say like Philly is different. You guys, like your stadiums, baseball, like everything's just different. Atlanta, it's like not a big deal. So <laughs> I wasn't like overwhelmed that we were on the road against a way better head coach. Like Vrabel's way better um, than his former protege. But also with a popular defense, that's when you just go the other way in tournaments. And uh, I'll give some thoughts on Levis, by the way. Looked at the film, you know, grinded the tape. What'd you see? Just, uh, I'm going to share it on the Dynasty show. So oh, I'm going to hold back. That's a pro teaser, dude. I know, I know. Go, go. You subscribe everywhere you want. Fantasy Footballers Dynasty podcast. Uh, I'll just say this. I just wanted to remind myself why I'm a Falcons fan. So that's why I watched the whole game again. But we're talking about defense this week. Kyle, move on. Come on. Hurry up. Move on. You're saying. Uh, just punt away. Like, play the Packers at home against Brett Rippon. They're 2.8. You have the Giants who their pass rush has been pretty intense. They play against the Raiders. They're a great punt option, 2.3. And if it is DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think you can play the Cardinals at 2.7. Like, just go below 3K, right? Yep, there's so many good cheap options. Just find one that works. It should be the last piece that you put in your cash lineup. And then for tournaments, use the roster percentage report. See who's popular. Like last week, it was the Falcons. Just pivot. Uh, you know, unless there's a defense that you feel like can absolutely bury you on a slate, which is not many of them, especially on this slate, I would be, you know, 
shocked if there's one that like you needed to have, you know, as far as a chalky option. So I'm just trying to get weird this week and, uh, and for cash, just save money. Yep. And that piece of advice that Betts gave is so key because last week I'm assuming a lot of people, myself included, had the Falcons in their lineup the entire week and they were playing around with two or three other pieces. And it was just like, okay, well I know I'm playing the Falcons. So you don't even think about that. Like use your defense as a thing that you can kind of pivot and say, okay, what if I went down $400? What if I, you know, moved a little bit? Don't feel like you've locked in your defense um, until the very, very end. And so you get to play around with different options. On FanDuel, I want to throw out the Vikings. If they play, you know, Ritter, Heineke, whoever, they're 3.6. Cardinals are 3.4. And then the Panthers are the, you know, very bottom last defense that you can pick on FanDuel. 3.2 at home against Gardner Minshew, who has been a turnover machine, but make sure you punt away a defense and we will talk later on the week, some uh, different options that you can look up in tournaments. But if you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com, go to DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg and Bets. You can enter a contest, play with us, ballersdfs.com. Bets, for Arthur Smith, you can sign off for us. I would be happy to, Arthur. Yeah, happy Halloween to all of you out there. Hope you enjoy uh, whatever you're doing, your festivities, it is a spooky slate with all these backup quarterbacks on it. I'm excited to break it down on Friday. We'll catch you then. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Embedding Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.